radio show takes place between 7 p.m. and 8 p.m. Events occur in fake time. Welcome back, everybody. Happy Monday. It is, of course, Monday, December 6th, 2021, and we are doing yet another edition of Simulation Radio Live. And how is everybody's weekend? Because for me, it was kind of relaxing. Look, it's been a fairly uh, active last couple of weeks, so I just took some time at home, didn't really do uh, anything. And just sat around, got some work done. It was a nice, relaxing kind of weekend. But uh, let me know how how yours was. But thank you all for joining me tonight because we're going to have some fun. We have a lot, a lot to cover. Sweaty Moira, you had a good weekend. Fantastic, fantastic. So thank you all for joining us. Of course, if you're watching this live, then I love you all. You're fantastically sexy. You are amazing human beings, but if you're not watching live, then of course you can by following at Simulation Radio on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, all of the the bullshit, because we're in a world that is becoming increasingly more corporate and more stale and just, you know, more boring in general and i promise you that at simulation radio will not have any of that stuff if you're watching this live great if you're not if you're listening to the podcast the at simulation radio live podcast i don't think it's at simulation radio live if you're looking for the podcast but if it is i still love you but you can of course join us live every monday tuesday and wednesday at 7 p.m eastern and i mentioned earlier that we're growing uh we're growing increasingly more stale and corporate in the world of news and podcasters because look you've heard all of those ads on like radio stations and other podcasts that you listen to uh you've heard all those spotify ads it sounds kind of wacky it sounds kind of corporate and pleasing but you know do, do you like history well our brand new podcast weird history and if you don't like that you can also have our podcast drunk history well you know it no no, I've. I'm not going to say I have zero interest in history, but look, there's there's too many of there's too much of this shit, man. So I would like to start off because I am not hungry anymore. I had I like having dinner before the show, but if you are hungry, then this story is not the story for you because I know everybody loves chicken tenders, but. We're about to have a rough holiday season for them because we might be out of chicken tenders. That sounds like, oh, oh my God. I know that that sounds like just the biggest tragedy that has ever existed. But chicken tenders are also being affected by the supply chain issues. I'm sorry to say, oh, no, which experts are claiming that this might mean that you'll be seeing higher prices on your chicken tenders this holiday season. We've had issues of shortages. I know out of Canada, I talked about this last week, where they're out of maple syrup. We also have issues with uh, wine and spirits because I guess those are also kind of having a shortage because supply chain issues don't really know what the supply chain issues are besides, you know, they're, it, it's happening. It's a supply chain. And when one piece of that puzzle goes wrong, then everything just turns to shit. <laughs> so you need to stock up on your liquor. 
for the holiday season, and you also need to stock up on your chicken tenders. Just making sure that everybody knows. <laughs> I can't believe this. So uh, apparently chicken tenders, they're the smallest filet of the chicken, and they require more processing to package and sell than chicken nuggets, which are made out of scrap meat from the whole bird, which is why they can be harder to find and more costly. They take its more production value to get your chicken tenders. Look, to get the chicken tenders from the factory to your table, it takes a whole team of people to get the chicken tender ready and, you know, maybe cut them, whereas, and they have to have the specific part of the chicken for them. But, you know, if you're just making chicken nuggies, like you're going to McDonald's for it, then uh, they can just take all the shit parts, just slam them in a fucking grinder, and, you know, pop, plop, out goes your out goes your chicken nuggies. So be careful out there. Stock up on your chicken tendies. Stock up on your wine and spirits. There's a shortage of those two, which is apparently also being caused by uh, shipping delays and shortages of glass for bottling. They say many high-end liquors like scotch and cognac are stuck in backup ports as around 40% of the hard alcohol in the U.S. is imported. There's also a short supply of glass bottles that hold wine and spirits that is added to the headache. So you need to stock up if you don't want to spend Christmas and the holidays with your family not uh, drinking a little bit, then you... I'm telling you, stock up right now. I know it's a tragedy for 12-year-olds everywhere. At, at least the chicken tendy part. I'm not I'm not encouraging underage 12-year-old drinking. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but uh, just me personally, I'm not encouraging it. So, you know, get them all early. One restaurant that is probably not going to have these issues, though, is Jack in the Box, because they have agreed to a $575 million deal today to buy Del Taco. And I know that uh, we don't have a lot of jack-in-the-box here over in Florida. If you're in other parts of the country or if you're in other parts of the world that have jack-in-the-box, please let me know how it is because I lived in Arizona for a year when I was young, and jack-in-the-box was crazy over there. I know they had the mascot of the fucking the jack, I guess his name is. I mean, what else would it be? With the styrofoam face and the dumbass party hat, and it looks like he's kind of a snow globe head. And I don't actually know if they're good. How is the reputation of Jack in the Box where wherever you're at? Because I'd really like to know. At the very least, Del Taco is is here now. I I have no opinion. I'm not going to take a side in the Del Taco v Taco Bell wars because I, I know that it, it's rampant and people that are Del Taco people and people that are Taco Bell people will fight to the death over this. By the way, are there actually Del Taco people? I've never I've never encountered, I have never seen a Del Taco person in my entire life. I've seen Taco Bell people. I've seen people that will uh fight for the glory and honor of Taco Bell, which is also kind of weird, but you know, that whatever, you you do you, man. But I've never seen Del Taco people. Has anybody have you guys ever met a Del Taco person? That sounds kind of funny, but please leave a comment or say something in the chat if you uh, know a Del Taco person. But Jack in the Box is buying Del Taco in this $575 million deal. They'll pay $12.51 per share in cash for the acquisition. And if anybody is a stock market watcher or stock market trader, shares of Del Taco skyrocketed right to the moon today and is probably good for any of you, or for all of you at least. They say the CEO of Jack in the Box says, this is a natural combination of two like-minded challenger brands with outstanding growth opportunities. <sighs> oh, oh, it's business speak, business speak. Sorry, sorry. All right, back in the game, back in the game. Together. Jack in the Box and Del Taco will benefit from a stronger financial model, gaining greater scale to invest in digital and... Ah, hey! Hey! Wake up! <laughs> but we'll see how, how this... Uh, we'll see how this affects Del Taco or Jack in the Box. Del Taco has 600 restaurants across 16 states, making it the second largest... <clears throat> excuse me. Mexican fast food chain... 
by a number of restaurants behind Yum Brands' Taco Bell. So it is behind Taco Bell in the restaurant quantity department, but you know, maybe the quality of it will start to increase. I, I know Del Taco has this weird thing because they offer fries. They have fries at Del Taco, which, I, okay, they're actually kind of good. They're not bad. I have had them recently, but it, that, that just seems kind of weird. You're going to a taco place. You don't really expect to have French fries, right? After this merger, the combined company will have more than 2,800 locations across 25 states, and the purchase is expected to close in the first three months of 2022. So shares are up. This looks like a good deal for both of these companies, and I'm hoping that uh, Jack in the Box will maybe do something decent with Del Taco to make them a legitimate Taco Bell competitor. Because look, when Taco Bell owns the whole monopoly of taco fast food, which is already kind of a, you would think that it's kind of a niche market anyway, but I would like to see how Del Taco continues to improve. Maybe its menu will start to make a little bit of sense and not have fucking French fries on it. I know they've got some other weird stuff too, but uh, your mileage may vary. Let me know if you are a Del Taco or a jack-in-the-box enjoyer. And I'd really like to know the reputations of those places compared to all the other fast food places where you're at. Because I know I know it's different regionally, right? All of the different uh, distributions of fast food places throughout the different regions. And I'm trying to, like, cut back on the fast food, so I'm not uh, the biggest knowledge base owner of this. But... I would still really like to know at least the uh, the perception over there. And so while we're on the topic of fast food, we might as well just make this uh, this week in fast food segment because a Florida man is back. We'll take it all the way back over here to Florida. I know we started having Del Taco, but McDonald's are everywhere, legitimately everywhere. And of course, we have a fine and dandy Florida man to take advantage of this. He exposed himself to a young cashier at a McDonald's drive-thru and then was ID'd after returning to the restaurant to order food. So he went up there, took, went through the drive-thru, just whipped it out, exposed himself to a poor, poor teenage cashier, then pieced it out, and then decided, you know what? I'm kind of hungry. I think I, I want some McDonald's. So he went back to the McDonald's and was promptly arrested on Thursday. This Lakeland man was arrested after allegedly exposing himself. According to the Polk County Sheriff's Office, deputies arrested 34-year-old Charlie Lee Cook Jr. and charged him with indecent exposure and committing a lewd act for exposing himself to a juvenile McDonald's drive through cashier. While the incident was reported in late September, by the manager of the restaurant because it took them this long because his identity was unknown at the time. It took them this long to find out who he was and then promptly arrest him and send him to the gulag. Ugh. Voice kind of voice is kind of scratchy today. Look, I recorded a lot of videos this weekend. My voice might need a break, but the grind continues. Ah. <coughs> all right. All the demons are out. He placed an order one morning and proceeded through both drive through windows, the window where he paid for his food. You know, the, you know how there's two windows at the fast food drive through, the one where you drive right up and then you pay for the food and then you drive just a little bit farther and then you actually get the food. If you're lucky enough to not have to go park at one of the fucking uh, parking spaces that you have to wait for them to make your food just so that they can press end on the order and get a good, you know, uh, record time on getting the food out they can press end as long as you're out at that parking lot i'm not saying i know fully how it works this is just what i've heard just what i've heard after paying for and picking up his food mr cook went through the drive-through again with the second order and when he arrived at the second drive-through window he exposed himself to the juvenile cashier while calling her by the name on her name tag the cashier immediately closed the window and reported the incident to management, who subsequently contacted the police. So he went through the drive-thru 
twice. He went through it first time. To- the first time, got some food, then drove back around, wanted to get more food, and then he just, uh, you know, casually whipped out his dick and showed it to an underage girl and was... I don't want to say promptly arrested. They actually had to take some time to go and find out who this man was before they could go and arrest him. Because supposedly at the time, the McDonald's employees were unable to identify the suspect and only had a description of his vehicle as a black SUV. However, they did recognize him as a regular customer. So, I mean, that kind of happens sometimes. You go to fast food places enough and they'll start to recognize you as a regular. You know, when I used to work for uh, Apple customer service as one of those technical support idiots, you would chat whenever your your iPhone had something wrong with it. I can't send my pictures. No, my email's broken. How do I print something? So whenever you... uh logged on to the Apple support system to try and chat people. I was one of those idiots that took the chat and at that facility every day I would go down. They had a nice little cafe uh, in the cafeteria at the lunchroom that had some really banging burgers and fries enough to where I still remember how good they were to this day. And you eventually become a regular at those places, right? You go there enough. I don't want to say, too often maybe not every day but you know maybe you even go once or twice a week and that's enough to cause you to be a regular at that place but eventually it came to a point where i would walk up into the line they would know exactly what i wanted except for the occasional day where i would uh change it up which wasn't very often because the burgers and fries were so damn good man that really makes me want a burger and fry right now shit no 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 can't do it But this man, Charlie Lee Cook Jr., was a regular over there, but they didn't know his name because that's not really part of the social contract of that interaction, right? I mean, sure, you as the employee, you're supposed to wear your name tag and the customer might know your name, but you're not really, uh, you as the employee, you're probably not going to learn this customer's name because you're being paid minimum wage and there is no way that you're being paid enough to give a single iota of a fuck about who it is you're serving. The only thing that you might care about is the occasional, uh, oh, I I see you every so often. Maybe you're a nice person. Maybe I know that I'm not going to have to deal with too much shit with you, but your mileage may vary there. The bond that he was posted after being arrested on November 30th was just a measly $750, which, you know, seems fairly reasonable. I mean, I don't want to say, I don't know, maybe that's not reasonable. Maybe $750 is a little bit too low for a 30-something-year-old man just whipping it out and showing it to an underage girl at McDonald's. That poor girl, she's not making any money at all. And she's getting people like Mr. You know, I'll even I'll even show you guys on the screen here. Mr. Charlie Lee Cook Jr. You're not getting paid enough to see this guy's dick, okay? Maybe that's just me. I maybe there are some underage girls that kind of are into this, but they're still underage girls and so they don't really know what they want. You're still not being paid enough. At least I don't think. Oh, It looks like he was previously arrested during an undercover child pornography investigation. So Mr. Cook has a history of doing this. He was sending nude images to a 15-year-old girl he met as a youth leader at a church, said uh, our, our our favorite news character over here in Florida, Mr. Sheriff Grady Judd. Love that guy. Now here he is again, trying to groom and solicit a child. He clearly wasn't rehabilitated or held accountable back in 2017, but we will do everything in our power to ensure that he is held accountable now. For a second-time offender, $750 seems fairly low as uh, bail for this guy. But again, maybe that's just me. Let me know what you think about this story, because uh, unfortunately, this week in fast food concludes but fortunately i have a greater story i have an even greater and funnier story for everybody because you would think with uh your elected government officials you would think that they're of their right mind all the time i say with a with a cheeky smile there, there's no way that these government officials are not anything but 100 alert and 100 mentally there ready to go 
I say despite our president and despite all of our uh, our leaders who are old boomers who are fairly out of touch with reality. But we're not talking about us. I am talking, of course, about British Parliament here because there is now an investigation going on over a report that traces of cocaine are being found at numerous sites in the British Parliament. The Speaker of the House of Commons, Lindsay Hoyle, said that he was contacting police after the Sunday Times reported that illegal drugs were being used inside Parliament buildings. So what happens is some of the cleaning staff are going around and little minute traces of cocaine are being found literally everywhere. Tests using drug detection wipes found traces of cocaine in 11 locations that are only accessible by accredited parliamentary lawmakers, staff and journalists, including a washroom near Prime Minister Boris Johnson. Uh Oh, maybe he's in on it, too. Who knows? Maybe uh, it honestly wouldn't even surprise me at this point. Doesn't he have a history of drug abuse? I remember uh, looking at some sort of interview from back in the like late 2000s about him talking about his uh, his struggles here. <laughs> My God. Surely this would never happen here, right? 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 Or we'll just keep it covered up a little bit better. These allegations emerge as the government announces a new strategy to combat drug abuse and drug-related crime. And Boris Johnson put out one of those interviews today who is just... He's just dressed in a police costume or police costume. He's he's in a police outfit in police getup for whatever reason. I'm not really sure why or what purpose this even serves. Let's check him out anyway. Do you think the question that I posed in the teaser for tonight's show on social media was, does this look like the face of a man who knows about rampant cocaine use throughout his government? And as we listen to this interview that came out today, I would like to know your opinion about this as to whether or not. All right. Does Boris sound like he's overcompensating for something a little bit here? I mean, that government officials never do that. No, they're honest 100 percent of the time. They just tell it straight. Their mental faculties are fully intact and. That's just how it is. Let's listen to this interview where he pledges to crack down on UK drug gangs and middle class users on the same day that uh, a fuck ton of, well, I don't want to say a fuck ton, but traces of cocaine were found just about everywhere in British Parliament. Is he overcompensating? Let's find out. Crime has been coming down overall in the, in the last couple of years, but we're seeing a lot of problems caused by these 300,000 problem drugs users. So what we're doing is we're ramping up our campaign against the the county lines uh, networks that are ramping up the campaign. You've got to invest in rehabilitation. Everybody who knows about drugs crime will tell you that 300,000 people, their lives are chaotic. Uh, They need to be taken off drugs. They need to be put into rehab. You've got to invest in rehab but you've also got to go all right we got to do this 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 and this is a problem and i don't know boris and looking looking a little sus there a little bit a little bit suspicious imo but (laughs) i know that's a little uh little inflammatory but let's continue to hear from him come down hard on the gangsters who are who are making come down hard on the gangsters everybody to be able to grow up in safer streets everybody uh, to have the right to have a safe community to grow up in and too many people have their lives blighted by these county lines gangs so you were one of them have, you've got to you've got to do two things at once you're gonna be tougher on uh, the county lines gangs you're gonna be tougher on the on the uh, the criminals who are doing it but you've also got to be sure tougher on them you find those three hundred thousand people and you help them away you can't simply uh, arrest them time after time and put them back in prison again and again we understand that the drugs gangs are doing major damage to life chances. Yes, the problem is the drug gangs. That is the only problem here, and not all of the lawmakers uh, participating in it. No, it's just the gangs. The gangs are out there. It's because we don't really uh, know what's going on out there with them, but 
Boris is on the case. ...of kids growing up in this country. I think it is a, it is a disgusting trade, and we need to fight it. Disgusting. reported that a lot of cocaine use found in the toilets of Parliament. Can the public trust MPs on this issue? Look, this government is absolutely determined to, to fight drugs and to make sure... <laughs> I, I, take a, I take the view that it's a long time, really, since you've heard a government say uh, that drugs... Uh, class A drugs are bad and bad for society. Uh, it's been a long time since we've heard the government say drugs are bad. I wonder why that is. Maybe it's just uh, the minor little reason of... They're all doing them. Bad for opportunity. Bad for kids growing up in this country. That's my view. And I think, and I think drugs are bad that we can, for everyone we else. We can tackle and we can deal with. You've got to, you've got to be realistic. You've got to be humane. You've got to be compassionate. You've got to recognize that overwhelmingly the problem is caused. He's not wrong about this, though. 300,000 people whose lives are simply chaotic, uh, who, are, who are torn apart by their own addiction. You've got to help them. You've got to do rehab. You've you got to help them. You've got to help them, not the people in Parliament that are doing it. Because, no, they don't have a problem because they're not part of drug gangs and they're not middle class users. They're the ones that need help. We've got to just... Put them aside. We're not going to think about them. We're going to try and help them humanely. But over here in our own government, we're going to just uh, continue to use them. And look, it's not a problem because we're not drug gangs or middle class users. Fantastic logic. They come down very, very hard on the county lines gangs. And that's what we're doing. One of the reasons why we're so determined to roll up county lines drugs gangs and to tackle that issue is because they, they are Seems a little deflective. so much of the knife-assisted homicide that we're seeing on the streets of this country. It's part, it, very often, it's part of that phenomenon. And I think a couple of the cases that you mentioned weren't uh, directly linked to that. But, you know, what we need to, to do is, is give the police the powers, as we have, to take the knives off the streets uh, with stop and search. I do think that is... Yeah, take, take the knives off the streets. We're not going to talk about anything that's going on with us. I, I know that, of course, this uh, this news did break later, but let me know what you think about this. Does this sound a little uh, overcompensatory? Is, is he kind of uh, overcompensating here? Do you think he knows about what's going on in his, his own government? Uh, the Speaker of Parliament, or the House of Commons, Lindsay Hoyles, also said in his statement, the accounts of drug misuse in Parliament given to the Sunday Times are deeply concerning and I will be raising them as a priority with the Metropolitan Police. And, of course, Boris Johnson spokesperson Max Blaine also said on Monday that the reports are concerning. This is just really, really bad timing. When you're going, when you're having a, a really big initiative to combat drug use, and I know that I just spent that whole video basically lambasting the hypocrisy of government, but... At the same time, I'm also not saying that there's not anything that can be done about this, right? It's not like because the government is hypocritical about this that they can't go and help all of these drug addicts and drug users because it's not like all of this goes away because, you know, just because the government is doing it and because the government is kind of putting on a front that they care and they really don't. That doesn't mean that the problem doesn't exist. This just is a very, very unfortunate unfortunate timing as part of the plan the british government also plans to target recreational drug users to suppress demand for narcotics including by contacting clients found in drug dealers the seized phones with a range of messages to discourage their drug use let me know what you think about that tactic also because that while that does seem like it would be fairly effective it also kind of seems like a, a breach of privacy. But then again, when you're dealing with drug use, uh, are there any uh, are there any really limitations to what you can do? Does the breach of privacy and does the the God, I don't want to use this term, but the invasion of your personal rights, does that kind of overpower? the need to deal with this crisis let me let me know what you think about that because i think this is despite the fact that it's kind of funny of the timing this is also an interesting story and it's definitely an initiative that is somewhat needed however i'm not 
I don't think that I particularly trust a government that is rampant with drug use, but it's okay for them because they're the elites and they're the ones in power and they know better than the rest of us. Not that that's how the world just completely works. My God. So let me know your reaction to all of these stories. It is, of course, at Simulation Radio on everything. Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, all of that stuff. It is whatever the fuck it is, slash Simulation Radio. Also, I need to do this more because I'm seeing the impressions on all of the YouTube videos go up that I put out throughout the week and from the radio shows. Uh, I'm seeing the impressions go up, but the, the subscriber count is not really following with that. So I guess the only conclusion that I have to gain here is I have to do the stupid ass influencer call to action thing. The, uh, <clears throat> all right. Be sure to follow like, and subscribe for more content. Yeah. Yeah. I got to wash my mouth out with soap. So do please do though. Let me know what you think about all this. Leave a comment. Uh, let me know what you think. Tag me at simulation radio on any platform and we do of course have a lot a lot to get to when we come back because i want to cover the jizz lane trial i'm sorry gee lane gee lane no it, it, it's too funny to call her jizz lane because it's just it's so fitting plus old juicy smollett is back and there's some news there's some very very juicy pun kind of intended there details about his trial that i would like to get to plus an italian man who is facing criminal charges forget about it for uh trying to receive a coronavirus vaccine in a very interesting way now he didn't want the vaccine and he took very specific and funny measures to count himself getting the vaccine but not actually getting the vaccine and we have that and so much more when we come back simulation radio the worst way you've ever been fired i really would like to know because i highly doubt that it is uh well actually i don't know i'm, I'm not gonna disparage anybody else's getting firing getting fired stories because god have i heard some juicy ones but there is one ceo of a mortgage company whose video went viral today he's the ceo of better.com and there's a video that went viral today of him firing 900 employees over a zoom meeting now that's that's a pretty pussy way to do it right it, especially if you're like mass firing people there's got to be a way a better way to do this well maybe a zoom meeting is the best way to do this but vishal garg he's the ceo of better.com which is a mortgage company and you know maybe you're lulled into this false sense of security when you hear that there's an all-hands-on-deck Zoom meeting just casually around Christmas time for this company that just so happened to get a very large venture capital uh, injection of money. And you probably wouldn't think that the first thing on the list of things on the agenda to get to in this meeting would be, oh, I'm being let go. But I would like to know about your uh, getting fired stories, if you have any really juicy ones, and how they compare to this video, which we're about to watch, of this Better.com CEO firing his employees on Twitter. Pretty bitch move, man. And the way that he sounds, too, is just extra, extra sleazy. 
And if you have one of those really bad getting firing, getting fired stories, then you might resonate with this because this guy seems like just such a fucking weasel. And I'll, I'll play, I'll play some of this for you here too, so that we can all, we can all uh, check it out and enjoy because there's nothing better than watching the CEO of a big company just fucking try to worm and weasel his way out of a bad situation. Here, I'll, I'll show this to you guys, too. Let's check this out. Let me know what you think about this. Thank you for joining. Um, I come to you with not great news. Not great news. Um, the market has changed, as you know. And uh, we have to move with it Uh-oh. in order to survive so that hopefully we can continue to thrive and deliver on a mission. This isn't news that you're going to want to hear. As if the people that are about to get fired care about what the company's mission is. Nobody gives a shit at that point anymore. Nobody is wants to sit there and hear your fucking diatribe about your company's mission when they're not about to be at that company anymore. Uh, but ultimately, it was my decision and of course it was here from me it's been a really really challenging decision to make oh he's really manning up this is really challenging for me poor woe is me the ceo of a major company who is still going to have his job firing 900 of his other employees who are not going to have jobs around christmas time oh no poor me i've this is the second time in my career i'm doing this and i do not oh Oh, I feel so sorry for you. I, did it, I cried. <laughs> um, this time I hope to be I cried. But we are laying off about 15% of the company. Uh-oh. You gotta be kidding me. Oh, you can already start to hear people on the Zoom call. I don't know if this is the person recording this or if this is other people on the Zoom call. There's no way that this guy hasn't uh, just muted everybody on that Zoom call by now because uh, you're probably not going to be able to speak anymore after that because of the influx of 900 people that are all freaking out that they just got fired and performances oh and you're telling them that it was based on and you're telling them that it was based on performance too so you've rounded up all 900 of these employees got them all in a zoom call and essentially told them you all fucking suck and yeah, sure, we just got a whole bunch of money, but we're firing you. And I'm not saying that that is the wrong thing to do when you have underperforming employees. And at the same time, I would also like to know, you know, what kind of KPIs or what kind of metrics that they have at that company to even determine employee performance. Because, yeah, okay, maybe it's fair that if these employees are actually performing poorly, then, you know, maybe it's time to just give them the axe and let them go. But at the same time, uh, no, I'm fired. No. But at the same time, this is also a fairly, a fairly tactless way of doing it. At the very least, you could maybe get their manager to have a more one-on-one -on -one conversation with them about this rather than dropping them all in a zoom call for the ceo and the ceo just going hey you're peace out this is so hard for me i cried the last time i did it oh no poor poor me poor me i'm i feel so sorry for you i'm, I'm very sorry that you had to experience this ceo vishal garg gargling on some cock all right maybe that was a little unnecessary it's for the company if you're on this call. Wait, hold on. Let me rewind that because the person the recording company? the video s said something else and too. Performances. After and productivity. All we did for the company? Oh, she said after all we did for the company. Yeah, you're, you're just, you're getting max. Wow, my voice crackled there again. Sorry. But yes, you are indeed getting the ax. If you're on this call, you are part of the unlucky group being laid off uh part of the unlucky group so it's based on performance and some other stuff but at the same time you're also part of the the unlucky no the unlucky group that's uh just getting the axe sucks to say your employment here is terminated uh -oh. effective immediately 
now. What does this mean for what's next? You're going to get an email from HR, askhr at better.com, and your benefits. <laughs> for all U.S. employees, we're this providing four real. weeks Oh, my God. I can't believe this. One month She's of freaking full out. benefits and two months oh. of COBRA, for which we will pay the premium. So three months. So they get one month of benefits and then two months of uh, COBRA after that. So they continue to get uh, another three months of benefits for this. And we'll see if they get a some sort of compensation package, which if they're firing 900 employees, that if they are offering that, which I highly doubt they are, that has got to be a very, very expensive uh, compensation package. Total benefits if we um, if you elect for Cobra. This is not real. Oh Thank you for each and every one crying. of your individual contributions to better. I wish the news was different. I wish we were thriving. This is the face of a soulless, lifeless corporation right here. Look, check out that guy. He says he says it all. Sure, he can say that you know he's sad all he wants oh this is so hard for me i have to fire these employees but you know he you can tell he doesn't really give a shit he's just sitting there he's more worried about the consequences of what could possibly happen after this or like the repercussions of any of the employees potentially more than the like the human impact of having to fire all of these employees after your company just got a fuck ton a cash windfall from venture capitalists. I can't believe Enthusiastically this. as we were oh. at the beginning of this year. That's not the case. And I am sure you will leave us and gracefully this is not be real. more successful, more fortunate. After all and we did luckier in your next endeavor. I wish you all the best of luck. Thank you for everything. Best of luck. Thank you all for everything. Oh, and yeah, bye. Sorry. <laughs> all right. I, I do want to get to a couple more of these stories before we uh, wrap it up here. And these stories that I want to get to are some courtroom updates because we do have some updates about the good old Jislane. She is still, of course, undergoing trial. And there's this narrative among the alt-right right now, by the way, that uh, I, I kind of want to take to task here a little bit because, look, I know that I've been uh, shitting on the alt-right more than I have the fucking radical left right now because the alt-right is is they're, they're getting a little ridiculous just a tad ridiculous, but you'll see all these social media posts from all these prominent uh, right-wing figures and like conservative grifters that don't really believe what they say but it, it makes money and what they're saying is that you're not going to see coverage of the Ghislaine, Jislaine. I'm still going to call her Jislaine, even when I'm trying to be serious. Uh, like I'm trying to be serious, but I'm still I'm still going to fucking call her Jislaine because that's that's just what she, that's just what it sounds like. That's what it sounds like. But so all these right wingers right now, all these these grifters on social media, and I'm not saying that there are not grifters on the left too, because trust me, there are plenty of them. And I just so happen to be on a kick of uh, wanting to fucking obliterate the the far right more so than the far left. Look, I had my time with the far left, and their time will come too. Once they start fucking preaching about CRT and now everything is a racial issue, well, trust me, we'll, we'll we'll get back to them again. But they're they're fairly quiet at the moment. But all these right wingers are on social media talking about how there's no coverage of the Jizz Lane trial. It's what the mainstream media doesn't want you to see. But I've gone to every mainstream media website and they all have coverage of the Jizz Lane trial. So I, I don't understand. Are they just lying out their ass or what is going on here? So it goes to show you that, you know, all the extremes on on both ends, the far left and the far right, who we just so happen to be talking about here. They're all pieces of shit. They're all fucking grifting just for the sake of clout and wanting to get your clicks and your impressions and your money. And look, don't let it work. Here's the reality. The reality that I think is actually the reality is that I would say a good 75 to 80 percent of us are, you know, kind of somewhere in the middle. And we don't align with the ridiculous radical far left. And we also don't align with the fucking hyper grifting full of shit far right. And we don't really know what to do because those extremes are the loudest people right now. But the problem 
with what the far right is doing right now is all this shit about oh they're they're trying to make it some sort of uh they're trying to make it conspiratorial where they're saying you'll you're not gonna find coverage of the Gislaine trial anywhere on mainstream media but look front page of cnn front page of of fucking msnbc front page of even fox front page of all of the major outlets all have coverage of the Gislaine trial well, man I'm, i know it, it really takes away the point when i'm trying to make it i'm trying to make a serious nuanced point here and i'm still calling her Gislaine because i just refuse i refuse to call her anything but Gislaine. i'm sorry i can't do it i can't i can't do it everybody She's fucking Gislaine, but we have have some courtroom updates on her case. And there was a really uh there was a really interesting uh thread, by the way, that I saw where, okay, so she has this really weird habit, and it, it just goes to show you how like how psychotic her inner psyche is, because I've never heard of anything like this happening before. Where so what happened was you know how there are uh, courtroom sketch artists that will, and I saw this in uh, the New York Post's coverage of this today. They posted all of the courtroom sketches, but the courtroom sketch artist came out and had a very interesting statement because they were so taken aback about the fact that, uh, in fact, I'll, I'll even see if I can find this, this picture too, because uh, she... Okay, I, I did find it. I found it on social media. So Gislaine had a very interesting habit of when the sketch artist is in the middle of drawing all the sketches of the case. And this is, this is just so damn funny. This is so fucking hilarious. They, everybody in the courtroom, or everybody on social media at least, is completely losing their mind over this courtroom sketch of Gislaine staring back at the courtroom sketch artist and drawing them right back. In fact, let me show you this picture here because this is hilarious. This is hilarious. Look at the, the fucking demonic look in her eyes. That, that's just funny to me. The courtroom sketch artist is looking at her. They lock eyes for a moment. What, you, me? You me. Yeah, you know what? You're drawing me? Well, watch this. I'm going to draw you, you fuck. Maybe she's just trying to get some sort of power back when she really has none in this case. At the very least, hopefully we at least get through the rest of the trial before, you know, just some something happens to her. I don't know. It's maybe the same thing that happened to Jeffrey Epstein that who just suicided himself. I, I don't know. Maybe something fun might happen. Well, fun. Actually, you know, I think bad things happening to Gislaine would be fun, com considering that all, all she and Jeffrey Epstein did. Oh, God, another really funny uh, story that I saw checking out the coverage today was how she just bragged. She spent a very long amount of time in court today uh, bragging about giving George Clooney a blowjob as if that was like the highlight of her career. I... There's no way that her and Jeffrey Epstein didn't do anything. So I don't even want to say that she's excited about uh, giving a man in huge power just the best ride of his life or the best suck of his life. I don't want to say that maybe that's the case, but it kind of is. George Clooney is a fairly powerful and good looking man. So maybe she's just maybe she's just excited. Now, the coverage that I want to get to from today is about this woman named uh, Kate who testified she uh, had some stories about being massaged, about having to dress in this, uh, this maid outfit. And because of her age, prosecutors were not allowed to ask her details about the sexual misconduct between her and uh, Jeffrey Epstein because she was 17 years old. And so obviously they don't in court want to have all these like very gruesome and graphic descriptions of, you know, this casual sex between Jeffrey Epstein and this underage girl. Got another thing that happened today was a photo of his massage table partially colla uh, collapsed was entered into evidence by prosecutors at the trial. This is from yesterday. And what they did, they actually brought out the physical table in in court last week as if that's a, a relevant irrelevant detail at all the witness she identified herself as kate because she's trying to be anonymous she doesn't want to put her real name out there uh at the very least in the trial 
she described the schoolgirl outfit in addition to the maid outfit that Jeffrey Epstein made her wear in the early 90s. She had pleated skirt, white socks, and shirt were laid out for her on a bed when she arrived at the mansion with the duo in the early 90s, to which she responded that old Gislaine told her, I thought it would be fun for you to take Jeffrey his tea in this outfit. So, you know, really, really wish that I lived in an alternate universe where I didn't have to know about all of Jeffrey Epstein's little sexual kinks. But here we are. This is the world that we're living in now. (laughs) Maxwell then gave this Kate a tray, which she took to Jeffrey Epstein, who then engaged in sex acts with her near his pool, she testified. Now, I don't want to see Jeffrey Epstein naked. Nobody does. Kate says that uh, old Gislaine introduced her to Epstein at the age of 17 and confirmed to the court that she publicly described her sexual interactions with Epstein in Manhattan Federal Court after the financier was arrested in 2019. So a lot of stuff happened today. This uh, this. Kate, we had to hear from her, and they've had a a pattern of bringing out all of the Jeffrey Epstein victims, and we have heard some tales of the old little black book where Jeffrey Epstein wrote all of the powerful people that he had interactions with, and, you know, a lot of those names on there were characters like Alec Baldwin, who has since deleted his social media account. They also talked about in court today about how Jeffrey Epstein Controlled accounts wired millions to Gislaine Maxwell, according to J.P. Morgan Executive Director Patrick McHugh. He was questioned today. One such instance on October 19th of 1999 showed that $18.3 million was wired to Maxwell's Bear Stearns account and then another $5 million in 2002. So uh, Gislaine was compensated fairly well for her... uh, for her, however you could describe the god-awful things that she did. I don't know. I, she, fortunately, if she's not taken care of by the grand conspiracy, then at, at the very least she'll be sent off to the gulag. Hopefully. So one more witness. She had a FBI Special Agent Kelly McGuire testified today, talked about the NYPD officer's raid of the home, and... Uh, her brother also spoke out about a possible appeal to the attorney general. So all that happened today. I will of course, continue to provide more of these updates to you as we go on, because uh, it's a little hard to get details. Look, this isn't, I know that the right wing is going to tell you that there's, there's absolutely zero mainstream coverage of this. And on one token, they are right about something, which is that this coverage is not just like plastered all over national news, which to be fair, there is a huge difference between the way that, for example, the Kyle Rittenhouse case was covered, where that shit, every update, televised case, all huge coverage on every network all the time. But I think it's a little disingenuous to say that the mainstream media is not covering this case. So I will look into it. I'll bring you all these updates every day. I'll give you some more uh, tomorrow on tomorrow's Simulation Radio Live also at, you know, 7 p.m. Eastern. So, all right, YouTube voice again. So follow, like, and subscribe for more content. All right, let's talk about Juicy because juicy details are coming out about uh, Jesse Smollett's test of test him testifying on Monday, his testimonial. That's the fucking word I'm looking for here. Look, this is so juicy that I, I'm, ha- I'm having a hard time, like even forming words about it. He took the stand on Monday in his own trial uh, on, or at least today, that he did drugs at a gay bathhouse and made out with one of the two brothers who accused him of staging a hate crime against himself. So if you're not aware of what happened here, Juicy Smollett, which I know is sarcastic, Jesse Smollett, he was a star on Empire. He's age 39, and I believe it was last year, or actually it was in 2019, apparently, was he uh, staged, allegedly staged a hate crime where he claimed that a MAGA, uh, some MAGA idiot came up to him, beat the shit out of him, and it was a hate crime, and he just, and this is a 
completely ridiculous detail, by the way. And it might have been believable if he had left this detail out. As if all the MAGA idiots that are walking up to people and beating the shit out of them in all these hate crimes, because that's totally happening, are all like, uh, yeah, MAGA, make America great. And they're just, they're saying all the fucking, they're saying all the Trump shit as they're committing these so-called hate crimes. Look, Juicy, if you wanted to make this a little bit believable, you got to you got to like ramp it down just a little bit. When you're telling a lie, it's like the Boris Johnson thing and the Alex or Alex, I fucking called him Alex Kim, the Alec Baldwin story that we talked about last week about his interview with George Stephanopoulos on ABC News where it seemed like he was uh, overcompensating for the truth. And when you're actually telling the truth, you don't really need to add all these extra extraneous details that don't matter because it, it's the truth. And it seems like that that's what he did here. But in court today, what happened was he actually allegedly paid uh, two, two of his brothers or friends. I'm not I don't remember the exact relationship between them, but he paid them upwards of thirty five hundred dollars to stage this hate crime. But now details are coming out that he uh, he had some very interesting interactions with them uh, beforehand. Did drugs at a gay bathhouse and made out with one of the two brothers. So these they weren't Jesse's brothers, but the two men that uh, partook in this conspiracy were they were brothers. And so. He claimed we were in a club. You go to the bathroom, go to a stall, do a bump, do a bump, and then just kind of keep going in. And then we went to the bathhouse, according to his testimony. And all of this stuff occurred at a nightclub in the fall of 2017 while they were all just they were all just railing lines together because that's what happens. The pair then went into a private room where there was gay pornography on the screen. He said we did more drugs and made out, he, he added that there was touching and things like that, but that the sexual encounter didn't go further until their next trip to the bathhouse where they just casually uh, jerked each other off. Oh, no, shit. That's a little bit, uh, a little bit too detailed. We went alone this time, he said. We got a private room again. We did drugs, made out a little bit, and this time we masturbated together. Oh my God, that, that sounds horrible. Last week, one of the brothers was called to testify as the prosecution's star witness and said under oath that he was heterosexual and that he and old Juicy never had a sexual relationship together. But the testimony of uh, Jesse Smollett clearly, yeah, there is a little bit of a disparity there. He was also asked about whether they'd masturbated together at Steamworks, which was the club that they went to, and he denied it, but it, he acknowledged that they had gone together to the spot in the past and i can see why they need all these extraneous details like you would think that all right this is a little unnecessary how does this relate to the case but you know at the same time you do have to sort of establish the relationship between juicy smollett and these two brothers in order to uh get a get a clear verdict here because i mean let's be honest the evidence does point to the fact that it was a hoax and you know it, the the whole hate crime shit it just, it just didn't happen it it didn't happen <laughs> while he did appear mostly calm and confident on the stand he did talk more about his uh his experiences with the two brothers and how it kind of evolved into this this hate crime thing because he was unhappy with his contract on empire and he is one of those those racial activist type person type people too and he just he wanted more attention he wanted more attention and you know that that's just kind of how it goes that's another one that i will of course uh continue to follow so all right one more thing, one more thing before we get to reach for the sky, because I promised it in the show's description, but I have a celebrity death to announce. It is so sad. Now, poor horse, but Kentucky Derby winner Medina Spirit has died today after a track workout. Now, this horse, Medina Spirit, 
did have some controversial issues after he won the Kentucky Derby because it failed a drug test after the race and was ultimately uh, stripped of all of his prizes. But in a training session today, the horse, poor horse, poor horsey, he was found dead after one of these these exercise routines. Bob Baffert, Medina Spirits trainer, said that the horse died of a heart attack and he will now undergo a necropsy, which is a requirement of the California Horse Racing Board. Board. My entire barn is devastated by this news, he said to the Associated Press. Medina Spirit was a great champion, a member of our family who is loved by all, and we are deeply mourning his loss. Clearly not mourning it enough to not have uh, given him performance-enhancing drugs to win the Kentucky Derby, but I digress. I will always cherish the proud and personal memories of Medina Spirit and his tremendous big old spirit. Poor thing. All right, let's do reach for this guy. Oh, no, not my shit. Somebody do something. Reach for the sky. Oh, no, Sheriff Woody. Of course, I know we are very late on time, so this is going to have to be a quick one. But at the end of every episode of every Simulation Radio Live, we do indeed do reach for the sky which is where we kind of cool down kind of calm down from the news of the day look it's all very overwhelming i understand and you know we we need some time to chat we need some time to just lay back have a grand old time just laugh teehee maybe uh not sit around and just fall into that whole pattern that that everybody falls into or they just fucking plop themselves on the couch after work and just scroll through their phone and just Teehee, I found funny video. Teehee, I find funny video. And then it gets so robotic that they that's just all they do is a funny video, funny video. All right, well, we'll cool down. We'll have a nice, long, not really long, probably like 30 seconds, discussion as we go to randomquestionmaker.com. And of our five categories, we have candid, weird, icebreaker, creative, and funny. And I forget which ones we did last week. Okay, so last week we did uh, Icebreaker and we did a weird one. And then I think we did a creative one. And so funny seems like the stereotypical one to go to all the time, right? And I think that lets me stay away from it all the time. So I think we're going to go we're gonna go with a, uh, a funny one for today, which is that uh, on a scale from one to five, how afraid of the dark are you? Now, that depends, actually, because if you're dark in a location where you know all of your surroundings, like let's say you completely turn the lights off when you fall asleep at night, which, by the way, I think is the optimal play. I know that there are a lot of people that uh, have like night lights and stuff, but I think it's hard to fall asleep. For example, uh, across the other side of the studio, I have this big giant wall in the den here where uh, my bedroom is and where my bed is, where I sleep. And obviously the studio here has got quite a lot of lights and cameras and action. But if I forget to turn any single one of them off at the end of the shows or at the end of when I'm doing what I'm doing, whether it be a live stream or making a video or doing whatever, if I forget to turn anything off, I will have a hard time sleeping. I'll be laying in bed. I'll see it through the crack in the wall above the, oh my God, light. No, it burns. And I'll have to get up out of bed. It'll probably piss me off. And I'll have to walk back over here into the studio and unplug or turn off whatever it is that I left on. So I think that if you're in an optimal surrounding or if you're in an area that you know 100% of the time, my number would be one on that scale from one to five. But also if you are in a location that you don't really know very well and it's dark and you can't see, like for instance, uh, maybe the woods around you and there's wolves and there's dangerous animals and you can't see them and you'd rather just like blow them up. <laughs> That's not what I meant to go. There we go. There we go. Yeah. You blow them up. You don't just, 
you, you, you don't record scratch. Yep, that's me. You might be wondering how I got in this situation. Because I wanted to go out in the woods. But it, it does depend on where you are. But if you average the two of those together, I, I'd say probably like a two. Also because phones are so popular now that if I was actually in a very dark area that I needed to see, it just whip out the phone, whip it out, turn on that light feature. Oh, there it is, shiny. It's light. Now I can see. So not out of lack of being in the dark or anything, but I, we're just in a time where we don't really have to think about it all that much because we can kind of cure being in the dark if that's something that we're afraid of. So I, I guess I'm just not super afraid of it. But regardless, let me know what you think. Uh, thank you all for joining me on the show tonight. If you would like to hear more of this, then subscribe to Simulation Radio Live wherever you get your podcasts and the very interesting show wherever you get your podcasts. And also be sure to follow, like, and subscribe and share all these videos on youtube.com slash simulation radio so that it is easier to continue to produce more content. I'm having a lot of fun doing it. Been grinding a fuck ton lately and I'm starting to see the, uh, the effort of that start to be a little bit worth it. So Come have some fun with me and with us as we do the shows, especially on Thursday where we have multiple people on the show. But come and have some fun with us. And I would love to have all of you chat alongside you and hear your thoughts on everything that we talk about. So until tomorrow, I love you all. You are all fantastic, sexy beasts. And... I look forward to seeing you tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Eastern for Simulation Radio Live once again. Bye. Yeah.